I learned from the ground up. I Googled everything. I watched YouTube obsessively. <laughs> I was a PA for almost a year professionally just to figure it all out. Um, you just have to do it, and you're going to mess up. It's not going to be perfect, but you have to get that first one out there just to understand what you're dealing with. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 54. I'm Elise Sievert. And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today, we are talking to actor-filmmaker Robin Rose Singer. We discuss all her many projects. PA, the unsung hero. And... Take an editing class. Yeah. On the subway, I'm like, <laughs> it's a small, small town. Very it's small, a small town. town. I know people I know. think that sounds crazy. I run into people all the time. I know. Yeah. So, I'm like, oh. I know. I've done that a couple home. of times. I remember it was not long after I'd first um, started living in New York. Like, I'd maybe been here for like two months or something. And a friend who I went to acting school, her boyfriend lived in the same neighborhood as me. And mm-hmm. we, and she's like, Sarah, one of my like best friends now. Um, but we just randomly ran in, into each other on the street, like yeah. not planned to me. And it seems like such a like, oh, well that happens, right? And you're like, well, you feel like it wouldn't in New York, but it totally does yeah. all of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. if you frequent any of the same mm-hmm. neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's bound to happen. Or subway stops. Oh Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and then you it, you get to know the people because my husband, um, Brandon, he was telling me about how he um, has to get into work really early a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. so how, depending on which train, he's like, I know the people who are going to be yeah. on whichever train I get on. <laughs> he's like, there's the guy who does this, the yep. guy that like um, makes a lot of weird noises, <laughs> the one who falls asleep, the one who's like really tall. Oh, like he has like the whole, like the New York characters yeah. that – he sees because you because it's the same thing, right? You it's they're your commute partners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess in the suburbs, it's like when you drive out of your driveway and you see the same neighbors on the yeah. Way over. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, yeah. Except you're like so jammed yeah. up against each other. <laughs> you're in except each other's for, personal yeah. space. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. So right now, what are you? Um, you're here for Soho. You you get you have the Soho International Film Festival, so many right? Things. <laughs> so many things. First yeah. of all, we have to say that um we kind of mentioned this like briefly earlier but um you do so many things <laughs> like filmmaker extraordinaire yeah and it's very it's inspiring to be busy. <laughs> how, how do you because because when i'm juggling a bunch of projects it's always like what do you prioritize like do you have any tactics of like how you organize no you just I, go with the flow and just like tackle one thing yeah at a time. I mean I have lists that I keep on my notepad on my phone but that's about it and I just delete everything I go through but like I'll, I'll sit on the subway for example and just like make lists of all the things I have to do for every project and you know having good partners obviously helps because they'll kind of keep you going um, I have a producing partner for uh, two out of the four or five projects I have right now on the festival circuit who's super on point Ruby Komen like we've made four films together and she'll always check in if I forget something it's just good to have people dummy check you for sure yeah <laughs> no yeah it's I like so that easy. dummy check yeah <laughs> I need a constant that. dummy check in my life I mean, 
I'm pretty organized and I'm pretty type A, but, but having other people that are also that is a huge help. But when you have so many balls in the air, like you're, there's something that's bound to slip through the cracks. It has to. Try it's not just like, to. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I know that. Like, you definitely try not to. But like, there's the difference between like, self-flagellating for like missing something and then just having a dummy partner, a dummy check partner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just organize the crap out of everything. Basically I have like notes all over my calendars. I have handwritten notes, notes on my phone, notes everywhere. So She's like, I got notes, I just, on, notes on notes on notes on notes. It's, yeah, it's kind of insane. But. So what, what things in filmmaking to you, what roles are like the most inspiring? Like what, like if you could have your dream job tomorrow, like what would that entail? Oh man. <laughs> um, I mean, I started as an actor. I still love acting. Acting is always my first choice for a career, but um, I've just, I've learned so much and grown so much as a writer, especially. Um, I really, really love the writing process. Uh, not so much the notes and revisions process, <laughs> but the first draft. I love to death. I concur. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, um, directing has always been something that I've wanted to get into. I've directed, I think, oh God, now I can't even remember, like four films now and commercials as well. So that's really exciting to keep exploring. Uh, producing is lovely. Uh, <laughs> I've been a producer for about five years. So, um, you know, that's probably not my first choice, but it has its own excitement that comes with it, too. Just being able to enable great projects and put them all together. You're like the golden child of the podcast because <laughs> our whole thing is wow. about getting <laughs> actors to create their own work. And I mean, you've AD'd, you've done mm -hmm. sound, like you just are one of those people that gets your hands dirty and like, yeah, let's make something, which is really, yeah. really awesome. So when did you start that path of um, coming from an actor to becoming not only um, an actor, but also a creator? Uh, the first film that I made was 2014. Um, and that was called Aphasia. It was a sci-fi drama that I wrote, produced, and acted in. It premiered at Tribeca, which was a stroke That's of amazing, amazing luck. Yeah. yeah, and that kind of set off that part of my career um, as a filmmaker as well. So I would say a couple years ago. And then it's just kind of evolved. I'm not just making projects for myself anymore. I love making projects for other people. I love producing other people's projects. I'll be producing a feature in the fall. And just, you know, keep it, keep it all going. It's all about momentum. Do you have any advice for those actors who are like, Wanting to create their own work, but are maybe hesitating to jump what right in. What are you waiting for? <laughs> I don't know. It's not going to make itself. It's hard. You have to do a lot of research. I think that's really important. Um, but, you know, I see people posting looking for producers in particular all the time. And it's like I, I learned from the ground up. I Googled everything. I watched YouTube obsessively. <laughs> I was a PA for almost a year professionally just to figure it all out. Um, you just have to do it and you're going to mess up. It's not going to be perfect, but you have to get that first one out there just to understand what you're dealing with. Um, and aside from that, I just think 
make sure you insure yourself <laughs> insurance. I tell people all the time. I know it's like the lamest advice in the whole world, no, but people like, I love the dollar and a dream attitude, but there are just some things you really, really have to do. Mm-hmm. And insurance is one of them. <laughs> That's really great advice. That is great advice. It's, kind it's of lame something advice, that, but no, but it's something that people don't always want to deal with because yeah, it's complicated, it complicated and expensive, but it's, I've been going through that process for the first time with, because I've just always done like really small like stuff with friends and like we're like we're not doing anything crazy dangerous or not doing like and we're using all of our own equipment and blah, 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 blah. So we've never gone through the whole insurance process. But because I'm doing this as a new media contract, I'm having to go through that. And it's and it is it can be seem very scary and overwhelming. Do you have any advice for people in the insurance search as to how to approach um searching (laughs) i mean i have an amazing insurance broker i don't know if you guys have a place to share this stuff but she is like the most wonderful supportive woman she offers full production insurance and then i just you know new york state insurance fund i am a wholehearted proponent of workers compensation just in case because you never know you know i i know people think oh it's just a small project but they forget that walking across the street can be a dangerous thing you know and you're responsible as a producer and i just would hate to see things happen to people or a light like a c-stand not set up properly by somebody that is you know just helping out on set yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah safety first (laughs) <laughs> I love that attitude. <laughs> now that I've gotten my OSHA talk out of the way, <laughs> who wants to move on to the fun stuff? <laughs> well, what about – okay, so what about writing? Like where where do you draw your ideas from? Like what inspires you to write a new script? Oh, man. Again, I have like a list that I keep in my phone. I have like 13 or 14 things on there right now that I want to write and just don't have the time to. Um The first successful feature film I wrote uh, was about the Iraqi national football team during the Hussein regime. (laughs) Um, And that just came from... Did that take a ton of research? So much. It took about two years of research. It was crazy. And it was just... I read an article about it um, in... I don't know. It just came up on an internet search. I have no idea why. But then I just started researching and researching. And I was like, this story needs to be told. Um... That one's a little bit off the beaten path. I mean, you know, I wrote a sci-fi drama that had to do about with with people's smartphones taking over their lives. I've written all sorts of stuff. It's, it's happening. Yeah, now. <laughs> I wrote, it's crazy. It's gotten worse. But I wrote um, a TV pilot that was inspired by my grandmother. I mean, it's it's just like a list of. I got to read that, that script because oh, I got to audition did? for it. Yeah. Oh my God. It was great. It was yes. really, really great. Yes, I loved yes, it. Yes. And Thank you. my acting coach also loved it. He was like, Thanks. This you. is really well written. Thank and you. Yeah. It went so many congratulations. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure writing's rewriting. Right? Yeah. Unfortunately. What, unfortunately, because we the, the um I'm sorry, my mind is blanking. What was the name of the contest that, that it was Greenlight Her, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's something that was started by the New York mayor's office. It was the mayor's office in collaboration with IFP and Fierstein Graduate School of Cinema. Yeah. Right. And is that something, is that an ongoing thing that they're going to do now? 
I'm not sure what they're doing with the program. I know they're producing four more episodes of the other show. Um, and I think they're in either pre-production or production now. I see like random. Uh, our producer and, and one of our executive producers was a good friend, obviously. So I see on Facebook all of her like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I feel your pain. <laughs> um, but. I, I also noticed that with a lot of your work, the stuff that you sent, um, that it really varies in the genre. And I yeah. thought that was really cool. Um, is there a reasoning behind that variance or? Yeah. I mean, I, I just love genre work to begin with, but I think the one sort of unifying thread when you look at my body of work is that I try to use genre as a way to explore bigger issues. And, you know, I love the entertainment industry. I, I love, I grew up with like martial arts films and action movies. Like my dad made me watch every single Kung Fu movie ever made. So <laughs> I love that stuff. And I love comedy. I love thrillers. But I think that there's, um, you know, an opportunity to entertain people and then also say something. So I guess that's just you know, what I try to do. It's rare that I do straight up drama so far, but you know, it might change. <laughs> How do you balance, um, because some of your films deal with race and a different race than you, like how do you balance, and it probably comes back to research, like your personal experience of living your life versus someone of another race and to tell that story? Yeah, it's definitely a lot of research. It's um, being open to the input from your collaborators. Um, Interference was a film that I made that dealt with pretty heavy race issues and police violence in, in the black community. Um, so we just, I mean, we had an incredible team of collaborators. Our producers had a chance to weigh in on the subject matter. One of our actors, Stephen Hill, and I had a really long conversation about the script before we started production, and it changed based on that conversation. Um, so I think it's really just about taking the input that you're being given and trusting that experience because the other thing about that film is that it's structured in a way where it's not meant to enforce my opinion of anything. Um, it took a really long time, but, but the way the film is set up is to give people bits and pieces of the truth and then allow them to fill in, um, the, pit, the parts that are missing. So I wanted to be very careful when I made that film that I wasn't just projecting my point of view and my message because I, you know, I, it's not, you have you to be careful. You did a really great job in that film. There's every perspective in it. Like, like having the white male cop, having the, oh, yes. the black female cop, having the white woman who has, I mean, when, when they, when she wanted to stop, um, my husband is biracial and it reminded me of when we were traveling to California and like they asked if we had any fruits in the car and I was like, no, we're fine. And Kevin's like, no, actually we have like yeah. an apple and an onion with us. <laughs> and I was like, it would be easier to just go. And so just having every, and then obviously the black male perspective as mm -hmm. well, which I thought was so interesting because people could watch and like gravitate towards one of those characters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was an interesting experience making the film. We also have police officers that collaborated on the film with us, and everyone had really different feedback, but it was generally all positive. Um, you know, a couple of the the cops that we worked with, 
randomly, they said, well, it's interesting because no one really talks about these stories when they involve the death of a police officer. And I'm like, wow, that's what you, that's amazing that that's what you Mm. focused on in the film but mm-hmm. I, I you know I'm proud of it for the fact that it allows people to take away what they put into it I think mm-hmm. and start conversations and also see other perspective of right it. right yeah yep no that was really good I was very I was very moved and glad that I chose to watch that one because I didn't have time to watch all of it yeah I was like, I was like oh my gosh this is really good yeah and my friend Jamal DP'd oh my gosh he's he amazing Jamal is such an amazing DP such a great collaborator so chill. just an amazing person I too I mean I the first time I met him I was like I, I know I'm making this film with you he was one of the people that inspired this podcast actually oh really mm-hmm. oh, cool. we didn't even know that yeah listening. Jamal <laughs> yeah we need to have him on here um, <laughs> you should he's, he he's awesome was one of the first people that said yeah I started I was a goal of mine was to have a coffee date with a filmmaker once a week and he was the first person to agree to have that coffee date and we had such a great conversation about filmmaking I like came back to Leslie and I was like we need to make a podcast. Yeah. So we need to get Jamal on here. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't even, this, this is my first time learning this information. So yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for being here so I can learn more hey, about it our. It all comes full circle. I, right? And I love, I mean, talking about New York as a small town, the film community, yeah. especially the indie film community in New York is just definitely like, awesome. Yeah. 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 So tiny, yeah. like little, <laughs> like we. every day. Yeah. <laughs> what in your directing has influenced your acting? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, it's usually the other way around when I think about it, you know, because, well, acting, writing, and editing, I guess, really influenced my direct. It all kind of is like a big creative soup. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just think a little bit harder about story structure now when I act than I ever did before. Um, And just exploring what different choices are available. I I, I tend to be a a fairly instinctual actor and um, I'm not cerebral about it at all, which can be good and can be bad. (laughs) You know, I'm very malleable when people direct me, but I've always needed that direction to kind of explore um but yeah I think I think it's definitely freed me up to to just think a little bit more cerebrally about my acting which can be good and can be bad it's hard to not your direct myself sometimes I have to learn how to turn that off that third eye yeah yeah yeah, it's a little weird (laughs) for sure yeah for sure yeah I don't know how like in general I've never really understood how people could act and direct in the same thing like that to me is just my brain can't wrap around it I'm like yeah. it, I get instant overwhelmed at the thought <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot it's hard I actually made a film where I wrote directed produced and acted in it and that was Ooh. interesting <laughs> and it was a big film too I mean we had like a 20 something person cast like all these locations it was it was a lot of work there were stunts and fights and all sorts of stuff and I was like, I'm also going to act in this. It's going to be great. And it was okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but man, I had a great AD on that, though. Rabia Sultana, who is like, I love her to death. We've worked together on a bunch of things. And if I hadn't had her watching the monitor, it would have been a much more painful experience. So again, collaborators. <laughs> I know. We, I, that's a theme when people act and direct in their stuff, like yeah. having a good AD. Because mm-hmm. you just can't 
take the time to watch right. everything. Exactly. Especially, I mean, you don't have the money to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Jason Bateman might on Ozarks because mm. they. <laughs> I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. But There's never enough time or money, no matter how much you have. That's it's, true. That's true. It's just one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's not an endeavor. So directing, is that one of the last things that you came to? Yes, um, as it's far the as last thing. Mm-hmm. For, is it, was it the last thing for a particular reason or? No, I mean, I don't know. It's strange. I, I never really thought that I would direct. And then one day I got really bitten by the bug and I was like, I'm just going to try this. And I'm going to try it on an idiotically, ridiculously complex shoot. (laughs) And then it went well, surprisingly. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to keep doing this. You know, it's strange. Like, as a writer, you see the entire film usually, and then it may or may not be what you saw when it never is exactly what you saw. You know, I've learned like little tricks to kind of write it so it looks like that, but they just throw those away. So... (laughs) I was like, I want to see what happens when I finally make something exactly how it was in my head when I wrote it. And that's just how it started. Um, And then, you know, it, you it learn still quickly. changes a little bit. Of though, course, you, you learn know? quickly that it's never going to be yeah. exactly how it yeah. was in your head, no matter what you do. Like even so. how you like sometimes. I mean, not only because you have living, breathing actors who are making their own choices, totally, and you know, designers who are making their own choices, but you also set up the shot you had in your mind, and it's like, no, this isn't right. You yeah. know, like yeah, it's so and you interesting. have to change things for yeah. whatever reason because of location availability. Oh yeah, or oh, just totally. that, or Other. there's a totally. window right there. And yeah, you, can't have, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It always changes, but but that was one of the things that I really liked about it too is that it taught me how to be a better writer, how to open up my mind to other possibilities. And you know, when you start to collaborate with people like a great DP, it's just a really really exciting process. Have, how do you communicate your vision to your team as a director? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst drawer in the entire world, <laughs> but I still insist upon attempting to draw stro- storyboards, and they're, like, notoriously bad. I mean, there was one that... <laughs> I kind of want you to share one. <laughs> I, I, I will describe it to you, and you'll be like, what on earth? Your poor crew. Um, <laughs> So we had this scene in a film that I wrote and directed uh, called Mr. Richardson where it was just supposed to be, it was a black room and the gag was that you see this kind of like floating light, which is the end of a joint walking toward camera. And then when it lights up, um, you can see the actor's face. I was like, okay, I'm going to draw this. So I hand my DP a frame with a little dot in it. (laughs) And he's like, what is that? How are we supposed to shoot that? I'm like, I draw an arrow. He's like, oh, man, okay, let's just do overheads and, like, figure out where the camera should go. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's really a good idea. Uh, Yeah, I'm just really bad, and I don't have the patience for a storyboard program, so it's just a lot of, like, bad sketches, and then we usually end up doing overheads anyway. Sometimes that just takes so those programs, it's, like, so much more complicated. Yeah, yeah. Even an overhead, like there was an overhead program I used. I'm like, this is, like, I'd rather just draw it out. Right, yeah. There's some app that I got called Blocker that I'm going to try out next that Mm. kind of like you can take photos and change That's what I found. Um, Even on Celtics, you can do that. There was a couple of my films where I just had my actors rehearse and took photos and just Mm -hmm. storyboarded with the photos. And the DP, like, was with me and loved it, you know, because then he... Like, we were both on the same page, but... Yeah. 
I know. I think that's something that I always like run into as well because I am also a terrible artist yeah. in all <laughs> shapes and forms. Like it yeah. will be stick figures. I am cannot do. Like it's just you don't want to see it. It would just be you would just laugh at it. Right. There would be no yeah no progress made. Um. So that's really interesting knowing that you still do that and it and it works as yeah. long as you have people on your team that you can communicate with in in a way that understand what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. I I have. I generally like to just talk through things, which I find to be easier. And I have, I feel like enough of a technical background that people usually tend to understand, but yeah, drawing is not so, not so great. It's stick figures at best. And then like, they're all wildly disproportionate. I mean, it's kind of shocking how bad I am. Uh, well, to be fair, you can't be good at everything because you are already wearing many hats. If you were, then it would be hard for people to not hate you. So just going to throw that out there. Do you have any like routines or things you do before you sit down to write or any like places that where you write? I write at my kitchen table. It's kind of boring. I mean, I, I always have like a ton of coffee in the morning and then just open it up and get to it. It's <laughs> Pretty just is, yeah. Is there a time right of in. day that that no. no? Just any free time no, you yeah. have between your crazy schedule. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I bring my laptop with me everywhere, so I'll just pull it out whenever I have time. But I'm always kind of writing in my head so that I know that the next time I sit down, I have like an agenda with what I need to do. I I outline excessively too. I am a huge proponent of like extra long treatments and outlines. So by the time I get to that point, it just kind of comes out. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I, I think it is like there are the people who have like their particular uh, rituals, I'll say, around around writing and creating. And it's really nice to hear someone say, well, you know what? I just write when I can. Yeah. I mean, I have none. It's I find well, I, it depends what kind of a person you are, because sometimes for people that starts to become prohibitive where they're like, oh, I can't have my coffee. I can't get the right light. I can't sit down and be comfortable like or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. Bit, yeah. It's the yeah. same. I can sleep anywhere. I can hide anywhere. It's like, well, I'll just fall asleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of just like an on-off switch. Is it hard, not, like when you're wearing your actor hat and picking up a script, if a script, like, does it bother you if the writing isn't as clear or if you're like, yes. oh, it really should be <laughs> this or... Well, it's... Uh, yeah, it... It doesn't bother me if the writing's not clear. Mm -hmm. I don't mind if writers leave room for actors to do their jobs. I think that's actually a really good thing. Um, but it does bother me when the writing's not good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, that is kind of part of the reason that I started writing, too, is that I really wanted to work on good writing. And I was a terrible writer at first. <laughs> and it took me years to be able to work on good writing because of that. But, you know, there there's so much more out there now, thank God, than there were like there was like five years ago. Mm -hmm. What was your process of going from what you say, quote unquote, terrible to being the the type of writer that you are now? Like what sort of things did you do to improve your writing? Outline. <laughs> that was it. I wrote I wrote three absolutely horrible features that I just completely threw away because they were so bad and they were just you know, I, I thought I could just sit down and start writing a script with absolutely no roadmap, which I really don't recommend unless you want to go down the rabbit hole and hate yourself for it. Especially <laughs> like, features. Oh, like, yeah. Features to me, like, they're so, there's a reason why there's formula. Like totally. as much as people, and I agree, like 
<clears throat> experiment, explore, don't always stay stuck with formula, but you have to, like, you have to know it. Right. And I feel the same way, like, with, with a script I've written, a feature I've written is, like, I didn't outline properly yeah. and now mm-hmm. I will never do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the lines of Mesopotamia, which it was top 50 for the Academy Nickel, that was the first good script that I wrote. Everything before that was total crap. It was just so bad. And I reread it now. I'm like, maybe I can salvage this. Like, Absolutely not. <laughs> this is just self-indulgent nonsense. But, um, but the thing, I, I outlined that film so thoroughly. I mean, I knew every single scene and a lot of the dialogue before I even opened up Final Draft. So it was just, and I wrote it on like a cocktail pad while I was bartending. Because <laughs> I was like, I have to do something fulfilling and this is my only option. So I'm just going to keep writing and writing and writing. And But by the time I was done, I had this big cocktail pad <laughs> full of like the whole film. And then I wrote it all. But it just took... A really long, it took two years to research and outline it, and then about a month and a half to two months to write it. Wow. So do you do you recommend like realizing also within yourself? Because I noticed you said like the first, you know, couple of scripts, features that you wrote, you're like, Yep, this is crap. I am done with this and I'm and I'm moving on. Yeah. Um, do you think that's another important important part about becoming a better writer is just learning when to let certain things go? Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to learn to throw stuff away. And I think every writer and director should take an editing class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> learn how to edit your own work because I would just write these long scenes <laughs> that were like 12 pages long and oh, the dialogue was so brilliant and it was so smart. And then I was like, this isn't going anywhere. None of this is like <laughs> and then action. And you end up with it on the cutting room floor anyway. You've wasted all this money shooting a bunch of crap. And it's just like, whoa, if I had only known this before. And then it comes back to it's a visual medium. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. like that's when a scene has gone on and on, whether it's like picking up a script or writing a scene, it's like this this doesn't, it doesn't work for a visual medium. Yeah. I mean, a lot of writers, it takes a while to understand that you can have a 12 page conversation about something, or you can watch a close up of somebody tapping their finger on the table and like knock out two of those pages effectively. And like, you've already understood what this person's feeling or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, depending on how you shoot it. You know, it, it just, I think it just takes a lot of practice. And yes, I highly recommend throwing away things that are bad. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, how do you develop your characters? Like, do you use people in your life, experiences in your life? Do you, like, um, research? They come from everywhere, really. I mean, yeah, there's definitely, with a lot of projects, it's research. But, you know, the the pilot that I wrote based on my grandmother I would like sit down, I talked to her nurse for a little bit and I was like, tell me about some cool people that you know here. And, you know, <laughs> Cause she was in a, she was in um, a senior living facility for a little while, which is where the show is based. And I'm like, I want to write a comedy about these amazing, lively seniors. Um, so she would tell me a couple of stories and then you just flesh them out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's weird because to me, they're living, breathing people in my head and I can see them. I know them. I know how they talk. I know how they act. And I think it's just like spending mental time with them for me, which is kind of mm-hmm. a weird no, answer. But no, that makes perfect yeah. sense. But yeah, it's it's weird. Like I just see them as people in my head and then, you know, you have to make sure that everything you're seeing is communicated enough in what they do and what they say. So. 
do you think your experience as an actor is part of the reason why you're, you allow them as much space to live in your head and why you can see them so uh, specifically? Yes. I think that character, everything I know about character as a writer is from being an actor and spending so many years studying it and developing it and understanding, you know, parts of the human experience. I think that that is just you know, I would, I would love for everybody to do all, to understand how to produce, write, direct, and act if you're going to do any one of those four things. Cause I just, I don't know. I think it's really, it's really informative. Just it helps you communicate with your team. Mm -hmm. If you understand the work that they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the same kind of process too. Like when you have people who are in a corporation, right? And the people, the big wigs up top, if they've never done any of those jobs down below, then how do they know how to tell you what to do, where to spend your money, where it's effective if they have no experience with it? It's the same kind of like hierarchy. Like it's hard to, you know, unless you've lived in those shoes or at least like tried or experienced in some shape, form or fashion, it's hard to to come from a place of feeling like I got this mm-hmm. and I, I can say these things with confidence if you don't have any experience on the other end. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially producing, I think everybody should start at the bottom and go to like work your way up because it's amazing to me that certain producers don't know how to do budgets. They don't know what the gear they're renting is. It's like, why are you paying for all this? I mean, you know, obviously you have to rely on the more technical members of your team, but you should still have some working knowledge of what's going on around you. And the way to best service all the departments is to understand what they do and what their needs are. And if you don't have at least a basic picture of that, then it's really, really hard to be effective in running an entire set. So I think everyone should start as a PA personally. <laughs> I mean, That's great advice. Yeah. That's it's a advice. long way, but, but, it, but it's, I think it's worth it. Well, and sometimes people are like, ugh, I don't want to be a PA, you know, like it's really it's, not that bad. I sometimes really wish not. I could go back to being a PA. I'm like, I don't mind like fire watching a truck for 12 hours and like <laughs> eating a bunch of snacks. Like it's not, it's, it's kind of nice not to have the major responsibility, responsibility <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I look back fondly on my days as a PA. There were a couple of shoots that were obviously hell, but... If but. you're working with the right people, I think, as a PA, then it's really not that bad. I right. recently just um, did it again because I had a friend that needed someone. I was like, sure. Yeah. Because I was like, I can... I, I always try to use any time I'm on set as an excuse to learn something new. Yeah. Um, and so I was learning stuff about gear that I mm-hmm. didn't know before, like had no idea. And I'm like, okay, tell me about this. What right. does this mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's like approaching it like a kid in the candy shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think PAing is really not that bad. I mean, I think there's a very, very much a negative connotation that people carry with it. Well, it also depends reason. on the f- the way the filmmakers are treating the, the team and oh, the crew for sure. and the cast yeah. because there's some people that lack respect, you know, for Yeah, that's awful. That should never yeah. happen. Yeah. I have a core team of PAs that I work with. I'll hire them first for everything and they're just like the most amazing people. They've solved so many problems <laughs> for me. I have this one and and now I've started like kind of recommending them. So now I'm like, oh man. I, I gotta, need you. <laughs> gotta hang on to them. But they're just they're just like my aces. Like they're the people that you just wanna have with you on every set, you know, and and I could not make anything, film, commercials, TV, nothing without them. I they're so crucial. That's great. That's awesome. So what's next for you right now? <sighs> <laughs> so take a, yeah, I was gonna say take a deep breath, no yeah, anxiety. I'm writing 
two features right now. Um, I'm doing a work for hire and then I have a spec that I'm writing. Um, I'm producing a feature in the fall by an amazing writer-director named Peter Lee. We are starting to package all of that together right now and get our key crew in place, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of projects kind of coming out on the festival circuit. We've got, I can't, there's some stuff I can't announce, which is kind yeah, of that's late, all right. But, we'll, but there we'll will be forthcoming it. announcements. We'll, we'll post it on social media yeah, once yeah. you can. You yeah. share it with us yeah. and we'll, we're we'll gladly promote any I of your will, projects. For sure. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Um, you can go to my website, www.robinrosesinger.com, or I'm on Instagram, Robin Rose Singer. You Google uh, Robin Singer. You <laughs> Does it come? I get Robin. Oh, no, I think she's a Maroon. Oh, well, but, but, well, there's that. And yes. then there's also a Robin Singer, I think, also in New York, who is a famous marine biologist of some Ooh, kind. So. Wow. You may get mistaken yeah. for a marine biologist. <laughs> just, like, just add that to your resume. I think resume. she's like 65, but... <laughs> But Even yeah. better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, I look great. It's all about, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I look amazing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for yeah, talking to us. Thank you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for taking time out of your clearly very busy schedule <laughs> yes. to sit with us That's and talk. We loved hearing from you, and, uh, and we can't wait to share this with everyone. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Bye. guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.